Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Risk with Dr. Naveen Agarwal. Each week we talk about a topic related to risk management of medical devices in a very casual and informal way. This is not a webinar or lecture, rather our goal is to talk about key topics and challenges in a very informal way and share best practices. I'm your host Naveen Agarwal and I'm the principal and founder at Achieve where my personal mission is to help you achieve success in risk management. My guest in this episode is Elena Kiria. She is LinkedIn's one of the top voices for talent in quality and regulatory field. AI is changing our world. There are many challenges ahead for professionals in the medical industry, especially in the quality regulatory field. The whole environment is changing. While there are challenges, there are also many opportunities. And we are talking about these challenges and opportunities for career management with Elena in this live conversation. You're about to hear a recording of our conversation that took place as part of our weekly Let's Talk Risk conversation series in front of a LinkedIn live audience. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Today, we're going to have a slightly different conversation. We, you know that we talk about risk, but today our conversation will be more about our personal risk in the current environment that we are living in as it relates to our career and how we can continue to actually not just survive the future, but thrive in this new environment. Uh, every day, I, when I open my LinkedIn, uh, without a doubt, without exception, I come across uh, you know, these kind of updates in my feed when you know, AI will take our jobs or some jobs will become redundant. And I keep thinking about you know, how everyone must be feeling in this current environment and how we can address some uh, topics related to AI and future of work. And on that, guys, I'm so excited to welcome today Elena Kiria. She is the top LinkedIn voice for recruiting in our quality and regulatory space. I'm sure we're going to have a great conversation about this. So in a moment, I'm going to invite uh, Elena to introduce herself to you. But I thought I'll start by sharing with you this key sort of uh, high-level top-line uh, insight I read in a McKinsey report recently. McKinsey Global Institute published a report about uh, the generative AI and the future of work. And what they are saying is that by 2030, activities that account for up to 30% of hours currently worked across the U.S. economy could be automated. Now, automation is not necessarily bad because they're also saying that artificial intelligence will actually enhance the work that is done by STEM professionals, creative and business or legal professionals. And I'm sure it's gonna affect the work we do as quality regulatory professionals, whether it's a small company, startup company, or a large company. So I'm sure you are curious about that. And um, in today we're gonna really focus on this topic. And when I invite you in about 15 minutes or so for discussion, please uh, share your thoughts your questions, comments, or concerns about this new world that we are going to live in and how we can continue to thrive in this environment. So with that, welcome all of you once again. And Elena, I'm so excited to uh, welcome you. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Naveen. I have to say, I'm really um, I'm really happy to be doing this as a, a LinkedIn audio because <laughs> I don't need to worry about what I look like on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's not pretty, guys, I can tell you that. Uh, but thank you so much for having me having me on this um, weekly session to talk about a really important topic, right, which is uh, talent and careers. Yes, 
Yes, and uh, I know you are you are living in this world, right? You know what the latest trends are. You know what people are looking for. You know what kind of skills would be needed in the future. So, uh, I would just like to invite you by sharing some of your some of your top line thoughts about how our world is changing in quality regulatory uh, careers. Yeah, so I think if we just talk about right right now, you know what we're seeing um, is that you know. It is a slow market for jobs right now. Um, com- top line, a lot of companies haven't had a great year and that has impacted their growth and their hiring plans. So what we're actually seeing is a bit of a shift in comparison to the last couple of years where shortly after COVID, we saw a real boom in jobs. Because if you imagine a lot of companies, they were they held a lot of hiring during COVID. After COVID, they said, hey guys, we need to do all this recruitment that we were storing up. Um, and that created um, a talent shortage, a really strong talent shortage, which meant that candidates were really in the driving seat uh, because there were more jobs than good people able to do them. Mm-hmm. And so we saw really big salary increases. We saw candidates really being able to put you know, some strong negotiation on the table to get some really interesting uh, packages and benefits and to really be able to navigate those big career moves. But we've seen a bit of a shift now. So what we're seeing now uh, are you know companies you know looking for ways to consolidate and ways to cut costs because mm-hmm. they haven't had a great year on the whole, um, and that has led to you know I mean we all see uh, on LinkedIn and in the news layoffs not only in medtech but you know everywhere basically, um, and that has created a different market dynamic in that now what we're seeing is some really really good people in the market and not as many jobs as what we were seeing last year so. I would say at the moment we're navigating a real change in the market. Mm-hmm. I think the great thing about policy regulatory is that it's the kind of role that companies will always need to have. Um, and, um, you know, regulations come and as regulations come, they need experts to help with that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but I do think that, you know, AI will have a role to play in this. Um, what's going to be really, really important is to to be an early adopter of that. You know, and to not um, and to not fight it, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, and to not fear it, because you cannot avoid the fact that it's coming. And you know, I it, it, even if we look, you know, in my own team, right, I'm looking for people that know how to embrace it and use it to be more efficient and more effective. Yeah. And so we're we're seeing that across companies when it comes to AI, it's like, okay, well, who knows how to use this and leverage this to to be faster, to be better than others because companies are always looking for efficiency. And the one thing that AI is allowing a lot of companies to be able to do is to get more efficient. So if you're one of the earlier adopters, you know, you're going to be standing out in a market where um, maybe you have other people that are, you know, late to the game to be able to learn and embrace AI. So that would be my top bit of advice. That's, as far as a, that's an excellent point. So I think we, we should not fear it, but we should find a way to showcase how you know well we can be efficient and effective in our role and really use that as one of our core expertise, right? That's what I'm hearing you say. And people are going to look for those kind of people who can use technology to do the job better. Yeah, I think, you know, AI is going to hit loads of different areas, right? So I, I was recently at the MedTech conference in Anaheim, the one that uh, AdvaMed did. And you know, just just there were so many sessions on AI and on, you know, its impact. Mm-hmm. And I think you have this whole this whole outlay of AI in like processes and efficiency and you know 
that that runs through everything, right? And then you also have AI in, in products like digital diagnostics and 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 I think that that's, that creates also a very interesting specialism for people that will specialize in software as medical devices as regulatory experts. That's different to how do you use AI to just be more effective and efficient at your job? So I think yeah. there's so many different avenues that you can take this. Yeah. But the one the one bit of advice I would have as far as AI goes is don't ignore it, you know, play with it, you know, keep on top of what's coming out there. Try to see how you can use it to enhance what you're doing and to speed up what you're doing so that you are one of the early adopters rather than one of the laggards yes. that, you know, right yes. at the end. That's awesome. So, Elena, one of the things that I think we wanted to talk about was uh, really understanding the role of QA RA professionals uh, in a different company environment, like a small company or a startup or a large company. Uh, let's help our colleagues understand how things actually work and what is expected from QA RA professionals in those environments. Yeah. So the way that I look at things here, you know, in in LMED, we sort of divide companies, if you like, into like three groups. So you have your your kind of small, medium sized businesses. You have your large corporate companies, and then you have your uh, startup companies. And the way that quality and regulatory is done, and what uh, what you look for when you're recruiting a QARA professional for e any of these companies is really very different. And so I think it's really important for people to understand, you know, where do they want to take their career long term, and then try to figure out, okay, well, you know, what moves, what type of companies are going to help me be able to get there. So I can give you like a quick quick rundown, but basically. If you're in a if you're in a startup company, think about the QARA role as like the jack of all trades. So you need to be really good at wearing loads of hats, and you need to be good at executing and uh, navigating um, in environments where it's fast paced and you don't have the answer, and nobody has the answer. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be good at going out and getting information and actually taking action mm -hmm. um, and so that means you need to be a fast learner you need to be good at multitasking it's a relatively flat structure in a startup company but it's very visible so that's great if you want visibility and not so great if you're someone that doesn't want visibility um, in a startup company also consider that often there's only one product so you know you're good and, and it's very R&D focused early stage right so if you're someone that really cares a lot about products and you're really passionate about being able to follow that journey from A to Z, a startup company is going to give you that and it's going to give you good oversight into yeah. how a company runs and the pressures behind that. Um, if you were to look at, you know, medium company, I would say here, you get to do a little bit of everything. Um, so for example, in a medium sized company, you're going to be most likely, you're either going to be quality or you're going to be regulatory. Um, and you'll get, but you might, in, for example, you might be covering both pre and post market activity, mm -hmm. or maybe you're covering all the product portfolios, um, or maybe you're having uh, regulatory pre market, um, but all the new product development projects, right? Or mm -hmm. maybe you're covering international registrations, but you cover all the products the whole company has in their portfolio. So it's, it's giving you a little bit more variety in what you're doing. Um, but still giving you the the kind of angle of starting to specialize in yeah. a certain area um you know what what small com what small medium sized companies typically will struggle with is you know sometimes then they don't have a strong innovation pipelines mm -hmm. right um but also sometimes they don't have a strong support 
networks. So the regulatory quality teams, there's more than one person, but they're often not big. So resources are often quite limited and, you know, they don't have structured um, like sponsorship or mentoring or training programs in the same way. So um, that's one of the reasons we've got our mentoring program. And most of the people that are on that mentoring program are coming from actually like small, medium sized businesses, just to give you an idea. Excellent. Um, And then finally, you've got the large corporate. So in there, think more like small fish, big pond, or if you're in a top senior leadership role, big fish, big pond. But the idea is that it's a big pond. So, you know, you tend to go quite narrow in your role scope. So either, you know, you're focused within regulatory, you're focused on like one specific uh, type of activity. Um, But then you might go really broad across like many different countries. Yeah. Or maybe you're, you're only doing complaint management. You know, that's all you do, complaint management and you're director of complaint management. But that's that's quite narrow but you cover all the business units that the company has so we see a lot of that it's a lot of matrix yeah structure so in the big companies you really need to be good at the communication skills in order to advance your career it's not it's not just how much do you know but it's who do you know and how do you go about building relationships and building influence because in order to navigate those kind of structures you need to be really good at building networks and yeah. as you become more of a leader in a big company, it becomes more about how well can you understand business rather than how how much technical knowledge do you have about regulatory affairs or yeah. quality. Yeah. So in a nutshell, that's like the, the difference in, wow. in the three different roles. This is such a great overview, Elena. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I think one insight that comes to my mind is that if you are looking for a role or a position, if you are applying, I think you should do some research about the company and position yourself appropriately. Don't send the same resume everywhere. That's what I'm actually feeling that could be good for for people. Now, be- oh yeah, does yeah. that make Absol- sense? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Because let's say, like, if you're if you're applying for a startup company, right? What they kept their biggest fear is: Are we hiring someone that's not able to actually be hands on? Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and so. You know, if if you're a, if you've got like a really big job title and 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 your whole CV only talks about the leadership that you've had and you're not showing how you can be hands on, yeah. even if you're applying for a VP role in a startup company, yeah, you know that CEO is going to be like, uh, he looks great on paper, but probably he's so far away or she's so far away from actually doing the job. This person's not going to be hands on enough. Whereas. If you're applying in a big company, you know they want to know about the leadership experience and they want to know about the complexity of the matrix, the matrix structures that you've had to navigate and yeah. how you've had to have indirect reports. And so, one person might have a really broad experience, but actually, what the the goal of the CV is never to get you the job. That's the thing I always say. The goal of the CV is to get you a conversation. Yeah. And so the more tailored your CV is to the role that you apply for, the more chance you're going to have of somebody wanting to engage you in a conversation. And then the conversation is the thing that, you know, starts opening doors to get you the job. But the CV, nobody ever hires anybody off the back of a CV. Yes. It's all yes. the conversations, right? That's awesome. I love this. And I think what I'm going to do, guys, is I'm going to open up uh, for conversation right now because I think the more uh, kind of pointed questions we can ask Elena, the more we will learn. And what I would really ask you guys is don't be bashful. Don't be you know, shy. Raise your hand and I'll invite you for a conversation. Please be brief and focused in your question or comment so that you can get the best advice from Elena. So I'm going to invite David here who is requesting to speak. 
Uh, but uh, guys, please don't wait. You can uh, raise your hand now and I'm going to start bringing you up here. It takes me a while. Uh, so please don't hold back. This is a great opportunity for us to get our questions answered. David, you're on. Uh, thank you for joining. Please uh, share what you have in mind. Thanks, Naveen. Thank you, Alina. This is a fascinating conversation. I'm going to steer this directly off into my own backyard. It's a very self-serving question. So I'm starting up a new company. Um, we will be offering consulting and other types of solutions like software. Um, so we're just breaking into this industry. How would you recommend that I sell this company? Um, how do I introduce myself to companies? Um, any advice would be appreciated. Thank you. So I think starting by really understanding what's your value proposition, right? There are a lot of consulting companies out there. So why you? What makes you different? What are you bringing to the party? And 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 what what evidence do you have that supports uh, what you claim to be, right? So if you're a specialist in something, you know what what who who backs you, right? What other companies have you worked with? So I think having a really strong value proposition as a, what differentiates you and then also being able to back it up with some sort of testimonial based evidence is always you know a good starting point um then you know i'm a big believer in linkedin so i you know i think linkedin is is really powerful at the moment it's got a lot of attention it it is not as commoditized as other platforms so organic reach is still really good so i would then start to say you know start to um share valuable content for your audience that starts to position you as a thought leader in the space that you're trying to consulting. A lot of consultants, I find, they're afraid of sharing their expertise because they typically say, well, people will pay me for that knowledge, so I don't want to share it. <laughs> but yeah, it only takes one person to disrupt that, right? Yeah, like, yeah Naveen, you don't fall into that cap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It only takes a competitor to put all their content out for free and all of a sudden, yeah. you know, uh, now that's been really strongly commoditized. So. Con valuable content I think you know that's been my strategy and that's been p part of how I've built you know Elemed is about giving valuable content to the network and eventually people if you play the long game but yeah. people will come back to you when they see the value but you know what I'm hearing you say Leon, what you are saying doesn't just apply to a consultant or a consulting company I think each one of us as individuals should also think along the same lines because we have to show our value proposition to a future employer right we can use these tools uh, so I know we're going to have a lot of conversation here, guys. Many people raising their hands, so I'm going to keep you. moving quickly. Thank you, David. Uh, Vincent, you're you are next. Please uh, share what you have in mind. Hey, Naveen. Hi, Hello. Elena. So I love this conversation, especially for a Friday, because it really gets you to reflect on things. And, you know, in my career, I know taking the time to get to know people, importantly, you know, mentoring them, building relationships with them, helping them navigate their career has all been very meaningful to me. And I've always done it, you know, I've been in this industry 30 years, so I've always done it face to face. So what is your advice for, you know, young engineers and, and young professionals starting out where they may be remote? How do they, how do they build meaningful relationships with people that can mentor them and that can help them in on their career path? Yeah, that's a big, big question. <laughs> I think, I think you know, it's about it's about creating those environments, right? So when they are remote, it's about creating the creating space to have those conversations where 
you can have those bigger career conversations and mentoring them because when you're in person, it can happen really quite naturally and organically. But when you're managing people that are remote and are not next to you, if you don't create the time and space for those conversations, they don't typically happen. Um, and I think also there is really a big generational difference with the with the new people coming through, right? And um, you know, gone are the days staying in a company for fifteen years, right? They're, they're going to be moving. Okay. They're going to be moving every three years. And I think so. Thinking about um, career experiences as building a portfolio of experience and what do you want to achieve out of the next three years and what does good look like and having those broader conversations um, and accepting that you know people are not going to stay with you you know forever yeah. um, I think is, is is a good starting point well I think it seems to me that we have to consider that as part of our overall approach it's a new world right we are doing hybrid work we are doing remote work so some attention has to be given to how we will continue to build new relationships and sustain those new relationships. Uh, mm-hmm. And that that should be sort of part of our uh, like a planning. It should become mm-hmm. part of our planning. Great. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you, Vin. Andy, thank you. good to see you. And I'm going to invite you to share your thoughts. Uh, thank you, Rochvi. I've got to say, first of all, brilliant choice. Absolutely brilliant choice of topic um, for this week. Kind of different. Um, really enlightening. And uh, Elena, brilliant to uh, have someone who's so... Um, Oh, so eloquent and expressive, and a fellow Brit, of course. I want it. <laughs> so it's it's all great. Um, I just wanted to say um, a lot of the, the points <clears throat> you've made have really resonated with me. Um, I've been using AI recently. I work in the automotive sector, uh, at least for the moment. Um, I've been engaging with AI, and it's fantastic. Yes. It's really fantastic. And I think the way to how I've been using it is engaging in a conversation. And use it, use its uh, powers of analysis to help me, um, to help me learn more, to help me gain a deeper understanding more quickly. Because um, it's stuff I can probably figure out by myself, but having someone I can talk to always helps. And someone with that, something with that kind of um, a power of analysis is is incredibly powerful. So yes, absolutely right. Embrace it. Just start using it. Have a conversation with it. Don't just ask it a question and, and accept the answer. Because um, it's probably wrong. Um, because of course, where is yes. it getting its information from? Yeah, but it's it's a wonderful thing. And uh, the other thing, just really quickly, yes, the CV does get you a conversation. Um, but always remember, um, every interview goes two ways. And the person that you're talking to, be it in an interview or in the job, if you've been there ten years or just ten, 10 years. minutes, we're always a person first, and we're uh, some kind of professional level afterwards. So always engage. With yeah. people, first of all, as a human being. Lovely. And hey. David, um, it's great, great to see you again, David. I know you. I, I know I owe you an email. Um, I'll get to it very quickly. I promise. <laughs> great to hear you. See, Thanks. but my guys, you know, those of you who have been attending these sessions uh, for for a while now, we are also building relationships, right? This is the purpose of it too. We are building good relationships. I love these relationships being formed and people following up. Uh, with that, uh, Shazad, you are next. Please unmute your mic and uh, briefly share what you have in mind. Yes. Please uh, tell me, listen me. Yes, I can hear listen you. Listen you. Yes, I can hear okay. you. Great. Please go ahead. Okay. Uh, I am saying, uh, I am from Pakistan and I am saying the uh, related to consulted person. My opinion, I have completed the work uh, design and development 
completed. Okay. But in this duration, I have work done. So mostly people, related consultant, not help and suggest you copy and uh, uh, you copy and not change the new work. Mm-hmm. Why consultant uh, help the new person? In Pakistan, especially in Pakistan, mostly company like SGS mm-hmm. and uh, other IGC and other companies not support the new person. I new see. person when enter the QA department, uh, quality assurance or compliance department, so consultant not help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Shazad, what I'm hearing you say is yeah. that sometimes it gets a little bit challenging to get help from uh, external consultants, if, especially if you are new and if you are new in the business. What I would, what I would suggest, yeah. uh, Shazad, is uh, you know yeah. this could be a this could be a very specific question or topic related yeah. to your situation. And what I would recommend you do is that please, please stay in touch. Okay, connect with me. Okay, uh, and uh, I will. Uh, yes, yes. And I am discuss on uh, risk. Yes. Yes. So we will we will actually we can follow yes, up your specific uh, yes. question kind of separately yes. outside of the general forum. But thank you for okay. coming on and sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you. Okay. Uh, uh, Rajat, you are next. Please go ahead and unmute your mic and share what you have in mind. Yeah, Naveen, and uh, thank you, Alina. You know, uh, it was an interesting conversation. I'm somewhat in the market myself, so I wanted to know how I can kind of uh, position myself. I come from like the aerospace engineering um, side, but I'm also kind of expanding into the whole systems portfolio. And I'm kind of learning a lot from uh, Naveen talks here. So I, I really love this. And so I want to know, you know, you were kind of talking about using LinkedIn to kind of um, define the value proposition and, and get it out there. So. Uh, maybe just a quick um, tips and tricks or, or something that I can, I, I'm a beginner, right? So I'm just finishing my studies right now. How can I uh, maybe establish myself or, or things like that? Great, great. Go ahead, Alina, so, please. So um, I just had, while you were talking, I quickly opened up your LinkedIn profile so that I could ha- have, um, have a little look and... Um, I do have loads of content on on how to improve your LinkedIn profile and stuff like that. But I would start with not knowing where you want to go, right? So choose what what your what is your expertise going to be or what is your target area going to be? You have to have a theme of content, right? So so what works really well if you're going to start posting content on LinkedIn is choosing what your space is, right? And um, saying, okay, well, that's my area. So like, for example, Naveen's is risk, right? Mine is talent. So understand what is your focus. Um, and then you can start very simply by sharing um, interesting articles, um, and then maybe you, you you might want to share your own thoughts about something. And at the moment, LinkedIn, because I was part of their creator course, LinkedIn is really prioritizing people that share their own thoughts and ideas and create their own content. So you know, if you were to create uh, some sort of regular form of content um, around a specific topic that's relevant to an audience, if you were consistent about doing it. Raj, then LinkedIn would start to support that as well. And you'd start to see more engagement and more impressions as you start doing that. That's just a wonderful advice, Elin. And uh, Rajat, what I would tell you is the decision to pick a topic requires a lot of thought and courage because you're yeah. going to give up a lot of other things which you might say, oh, you, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. No, have courage to say, this is what I'm going to pick. 
because you are in a service mode. You are trying to serve people with your knowledge. If you have that attitude, I can assure you, LinkedIn will be a great, great platform for you and you will build very long-term relationships and standing in the community. I know we have some new people joined, so I'm going to uh, give them a chance. Uh, Dipali, you are next. Please share what you have in mind. Dipali, can you hear me? Okay, we lost uh, Dipali for a while. So, Roger, you are next. Please go ahead and un unmute your mic. Slightly off topic, uh, but since Alina works in uh, the talent, the uh, talent acquisition business, I'd like to uh, just hear her, her, her thoughts on this. So I'm all, I'm all good with AI as a, as a tool in self-help and all. But in terms of somebody like me, who's an older worker, and I have many friends who are closer to retirement age than the, than the prime of the work area, um, in my, my feeling is that companies may value the experience, but they value the age of the person they're hiring more in the sense that the younger the age, uh, the more they are probably going to hire and they are willing to overlook what they're not getting. Uh, in, in other words, uh, maybe they end up uh, coming down hard on the new worker, but they would rather do that uh, than hire an experienced worker. So and this may be unique to me or, or unique here to the States. I'd like to hear your comments on this. I think, you know, I think bias exists everywhere, unfortunately. Um, and, um, you know, we see all different, all different kinds of bias. But I think the great thing about AI is that you don't have to be a certain age to adopt how to use it, right? And so if you are someone who's able to, to learn how you can use it, how it can improve your day and how you can be more efficient and effective, and, and show that value to the company that you'd be interviewing or applying for, I think it really does make you stand out. Um, companies are really prioritizing operational efficiency right now, right? And so if they were able to get someone with all the experience that you would bring, often the, often it's not the age, but it's the salary expectation that companies struggle with, right? That's often you know, why they say, okay, we're going to hire someone less, you know, a bit less experienced. What they actually mean is we don't have the budget to hire someone mm -hmm. that is as experienced as you. But if you, you know, I know a consulting company, for example, they implemented a bit of software and it enabled them to deliver, you know, their literature searches at 30% of um, the cost of their competitor because they use so software to do it. Mm -hmm. And so they could pass that cost saving on to their client. So if there's a way that you could somehow uh, do that, um, and make it more cost effective for the company, but also that they could leverage your experience, but you use technology to be more efficient. So you can also implement scale in the way that you go about doing things. I think that makes sort of a that makes you very interesting for a company. That's awesome. So here's the key insight to me. Expect that there'll be a barrier for you to overcome, given your enormous experience and you know maybe age as we mentioned. Expect that and find a creative solution to offer that differentiates you. That could be awesome. And I know, guys, we are running short on time, but I never say no to somebody who raises their hand. So, Deepali, welcome back. Please uh, unmute your mic and uh, briefly share what you have in mind. Yeah. Hello, Navin sir and Elena. Thank you for taking this topic up and really thankful to you guys. I just have a question. Uh, I've, I've been working for the pharmaceutical industry last many years, 
and in recent years i started working with the medical devices so here i am working with one startup they are into medical devices though they are not very high risk medical devices but yes uh, i'm leading a team and sometimes i find bit challenging since i'm in uh, all the markets uh, europe canada us and other so uh, i'm continuously learning and progressing uh, my knowledge but i would just like to take your advice whether is there uh, i mean should i join some courses or some uh, recommended uh, umdr or uh, mdsap related uh, these audit programs uh, which are helpful for their learning and other purposes so do you recommend that this will help me and uh, how fast i can progress into this to get regulatory knowledge mm-hmm. uh, well enough yeah thank, thank you. you elena you have some thoughts to share on that please so look i mean um I, it's it's a never ending uh, journey, right? Learning. So I, it's difficult for me to say without understanding what your goal is. Um, so you know, there's really good courses out there. There's great training out there. You know, RACs have some really good training around regulatory affairs, and they have their RAC certificate. But what I see really is experience really, really matters. So um, if you're going to do some training and get a certificate. That is great, but that won't necessarily open the door for you just because you have the certificate. So I, my advice is always get the training, but look how can you supplement that with some hands-on experience? Because if a company had a choice between two candidates, one that had that didn't have the practical experience doing the thing but had the certificate versus the candidate that doesn't have the certificate but has the practical experience, they will always go for the one that has the practical experience. So I always talk to people about look for opportunities to stretch your experience take those stretch projects take those slightly out of the box um problems you know be the volunteer for the 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 project that nobody wants to work on because it's such a mess because those are the ones that you're gonna that you where you're gonna grow your skills and experience and Mm -hmm. that's gonna be ultimately what companies will hire for Mm -hmm. thank you elena and Deepali, in your situation where i can imagine how challenged you must be in a new role, leading a team in a new environment, I would encourage you to continue building a strong network. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad that you participated in this conversation today. There are so many people in the audience today that can uh, be a good kind of resource to you and you can be a resource to them. And that's the whole purpose of what we are trying to do here. So I encourage you to continue building your network and sharing your knowledge and learning from them. Guys, um, that's the last word. So I'm going to give Elena just a minute to collect her thoughts and uh, think about one or two key points that she wants to share with us today that we can take away. But in the meantime, I just want to remind you guys, this is every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Please join us. You don't need a separate invitation. Keep an eye on on my feed. But just show up if you're interested. We talk about many different topics as you have seen. Finally, the, the, the recording of our past conversations, including this one, will be available on the Let's Talk Risk newsletter. And I invite you to sign up for this new newsletter. The link is in the comment section of this event page. You can find that link, sign up for the newsletter. You can go back and look at other recordings as well. Last but not the least, all of you, in my opinion, have an insight, a perspective to share. This is not a webinar or a lecture, guys. This is just a conversation. So I invite you to raise your hand and contact me if you want to be a guest speaker. There is no preparation required. All you have to do is be willing to share your ideas, your thoughts that others can benefit from and spark a conversation. So with that, Elena, I would invite you, I would like to invite you to share 
just a couple of key points that we should take away with. So I think as far as AI goes, you know, embrace it and don't be afraid of it because, you know, if you even look at the industrial revolution, um, certain roles, you know, were impacted, but it opened opportunities for other types of roles. So look for the opportunity and uh, try to get there first. You know, um, that's that's really as far as AI goes, my, my biggest piece of advice. My second thing is um, always look for trying to understand what your differentiators are, whether you are... Um, a candidate applying for a job in a in a company to be an employee, or whether you're trying to start yourself up as a, as a consultant, really being able to develop those sales skills and understand what makes you different, that's going to really serve you throughout your career, no matter where you go. Um, and then the third one, I'm going to cheekily say, follow me on LinkedIn yes. and uh, listen, listen to my Career Diaries podcast because that's not me talking, but that's me interviewing people that have had very long careers in quality and regulatory and they talk about how they got to where they where they got to. So there's loads of learns to, to come out of that as well. So I hope you don't mind the plug, Naveen. No problem. No, no. <laughs> Indeed, Alina. In fact, I appreciate that you are sharing that with everybody because look, guys, we have such a great community. We have so much to share. And Alina, I'm so excited to have you here and you are so willing to share with everybody so much good stuff you're doing. In addition to your busy job, placing people in great places. So I love it that that you mentioned it. And, and there's no problem with that at all because this is a great resource. I know the good work you're doing. Guys, with that, thank you so much again for joining. I know we ran over time a little bit, but this seems to be a fantastic topic. Uh, we can uh, connect on this topic again in the future. If you are interested, just let me know. And reach out anytime if you have topics of interest that we should consider in our future uh, conversations. Thank you again, everybody. Have a good weekend and we will connect again next week. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye.